Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Month of May, uh, we're going to be praying for the cities and the towns that we all live in. We're going to be praying for the leaders of, of our communities and ask God to touch them. And certainly we want God to anoint their lives and their mind and their heart as they lead us because they're making decisions that affect the conditions that you and I live in. And so we want to pray for them. And, and the scripture certainly admonishes us to pray for those that are leading our, our uh, government entities. And so let's just pray that God would touch them. I think this is an imperative thing. We don't just pray for uh, situations as they arise, but I think it's a wonderful thing to be proactive and ask God to anoint them and ask the Lord to, to lead them and guide the decisions that they make, the policies that they embrace, because all, all of that has a trickle-down effect and it touches our lives. It comes right to the our front door. So let's ask God to touch them and pray that God will guide them and uh, ask God to help them to have no bias in their heart, but to lead with honesty and to lead with integrity. And I believe the Lord can do that. And I believe also that the Lord can help us as a, as a community to raise up godly, Holy Ghost-filled leaders that can, if, if evil can lead, then righteous can lead. And so we ought to pray that God would touch them and anoint them. And I don't think the Lord is just calling missionaries and evangelists and pastors into the kingdom work, but I believe that God can also call and lay it on the hearts of young men and young women uh, to involve themselves in these areas of life, to become leaders in our lives and leaders in our community. So let's just pray. And then throughout the month of um, May, we're going to be praying about various things that have to do with the leadership of our communities. And so let's just ask God to touch them specifically in, this areas, in these areas today. You may have already received your email, but just ask God to let righteousness and justice prevail in their leadership to anoint their minds. And I believe that the Lord can and will do that. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, the king could not sleep all night. And he wasn't, not because he was a righteous man, but the Lord dealt with him and he was the very first man standing at the, at the mouth of that cave the next morning. And so I believe if God can deal with them, he can deal with anyone. So let's just ask the Lord to do that. Can we do, pray together? Lord, we love you. We thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, God, for the communities that you have called us to, to live in. We're asking you today, God, that you would just touch the men and the women who sit on boards and committees of our cities and towns and communities. We pray, God, that your righteous spirit, and God, that your word would prevail in their hearts, the decisions that they make. We pray, God, that you would just anoint them and keep them in the center, Lord, of your will. I pray today, God, that you would touch 
in, in all of our communities and all of the cities and the towns that we live in and occupy as a church. We pray today, God, that you would just anoint young men and young women, Lord, to have a bent in their heart to be those leaders, that there would be a voice of righteousness on these committees, that there would be a voice, of a, a godly voice, Lord, that there would be a, a spirit that, that you can lead and guide, a mind that is susceptible to your power and your presence. We're asking you today, God, to touch them. They're called upon to make decisions every day. And we pray, God, that you would anoint them and move in them. We're not just praying for them while they are in session. But I pray, God, that your righteousness will prevail in their heart, in their home, in the middle of the night, in the, in the middle of the day, God. Let your spirit and your presence touch them today. Anoint them by the power of your word and let your word, oh God, be the standard by which we set all of our lives. And we pray, God, that the compass of their heart and that their moral standard, God, would not be weighed against the, the standard of today's society, but we pray, God, that their moral standard would be set by your word. It's unyielding and unbending, but it's forever settled, God, and it'll change our heart. And affect our communities to the good and we pray for your anointing today in Jesus name in Jesus name can we just clap our hands in faith that our prayers have been heard amen amen I'm not just talking about this prayer but I'm asking all of us we are just trying to focus in on this every day amen let's let's make this a part of our daily prayer whatever our focus is and ask the Lord to touch them. I asked several weeks ago, uh, Sister Amanda Gibson, if she would if she would teach today. And so I'm just going to ask her to come. And I want you to, uh, and all of us, to just lend our undivided attention. I believe the Lord is going to has already spoken to her heart, and I believe that through that through her mouth that we're going to be blessed today. Amen. God is good, isn't He? Amen. So let's you can be seated. And let's welcome Sister Amanda if you would. Praise the Lord. Um, I can tell you that it's, if you've ever wanted to know what it's like to stand here, it's equally humbling and terrifying at the same time. Some of you may already know that. Um, but it's, it is an honor, and I do want to um, give honor to my pastor and to all the ministry and everybody that's here. I know that um, we're definitely among friends and family, and just want to welcome you and thank you for coming. And... Um, so Brother Boy did ask a few weeks ago if um, I could take part in part of the series that um, we've been talking about for the last few weeks, and I have missed him because some of you that don't know, I, I teach the Sunday school class for the teenagers, and I'm so glad you guys are here. <laughs> oh, you helped give me a little bit of strength, Riley, and, um, and I love you guys, and to the parents, I love your kids very, very much. And I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity to that I have to speak to them. And um, I love them very, very much. Um, but what I normally do in Sunday school with the kids is every time I start, I always have to do a follow-up. To Do you remember what we talked about last week? And um, just to make sure, because everybody stays so busy that we can forget what was already taught. So I always try to make sure that if I've planted a seed, did they remember? Did it grow any at all since the last time? 
So I just wanted to tell you, even though that may have been back there, I did go online to our website and I've listened to every single um, lesson that was taught in here. And the lessons that are part of the series of the call to unity, Brother Rayleigh started with the power of unity. And then Brother Chris followed up with the attitude of unity. And then um, I believe it was last week, Brother Boyd talked about the standard of unity. And so today I want to endeavor to speak to you about the results of unity. The results of unity. Okay. And um, so if we can start, if you guys wouldn't, wouldn't mind, it would help me out a tremendous amount um, to pray. And um, I have a couple of texts. I'm not going to have you stand for that. But if we could just join together and pray, I would really, really appreciate that. <laughs> so join me in prayer. Lord, I love you, Jesus. And I thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, to be in your presence, God. And I pray that today, God, you join us, Lord, for a united purpose, God. Lord, to seek your kingdom, God, and let your kingdom come, Lord. God, I pray, Jesus, Lord, God, that you'd anoint, God, and guide, Jesus. Lord, that your work, God, would be done, Lord, in this place this morning, God. Lord Jesus, I'm just a vessel and an instrument. God, Lord, asking you, Jesus, to use and fill, God. Lord Jesus, in your name, God, let your power, God, go forth. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I love you, God. Thank you, thank you so much. There are many, many causes and purposes that unite people. And um, just this past week, we witnessed a, how a tragedy can unite a community, even local to where my family lives in Gilchrist County. And a terrible tragedy had actually gathered the community together. And it, it was a something, it was a purpose, and there was a cause to it that joined people to pray for one another, to serve one another, to honor one another, and to encourage one another. And there's other, obviously, we know that we take part in other organizations. There are organizations that exist for very noble causes. There are organizations that try to improve the lives of people. There are organizations that bring awareness to important needs. There's organizations that spread charity. And they're very, very noble causes. And, you know, I've been blessed to be a part of several organizations that promote community and, and provide education and, and things of, like that. And I'm sure that you guys have supported, like I have certain, we're careful to support certain charitable things. And, and I think that's great. And I think that God blesses us when we bless other people. I do. I think that he told us to care for one another and to help the children and to help the orphans and the widows. And uh, so I think that we do need to care for one another. I think God blesses that. But in saying that, I also know that in doing that, that is an earthly purpose, that serves just an earthly purpose, that there is no spiritual implications in that. And so even though I've helped maybe a child go to college, I didn't help them get to heaven. There's, there's no salvation imparted into that. I wasn't saved because of my works on a committee, and neither was anybody else saved on the works of that committee. My involvement was, was just for an earthly cause. And I'm thankful for those things. We need those, those organizations. And I also know that there are other causes and there's other purposes that are united for not so honorable reasons. Causes that unite people to rebel. We hear every day about causes that, that people start protesting that leads to violence. Um, and the results in the spread of hate and evil. So how many of you know that there can be purposes that unite people that have evil, evil purposes, there's evil causes. 
People can unite for any purpose, even if they are evil. And, you know, history will tell us. And, and you know, we talk sometimes about history at the, at, with the kids, and they learn about how Hitler took a very evil agenda and it created a united movement that spread across Europe. And then, that's, and then you know, what that resulted in was the, was the murder of millions of Jews. So people can be united for very evil causes. And then there are what I've found this week in researching is that there are organizations that I'm not really sure why people unite for. Um, I'll give you a couple of that I heard. So there is actually an association for pet obesity prevention. <laughs> Serious epidemic out there, folks. Um, it's out there. There is the American Association of Candy Technologists. And they want to um, advance the confectionery industry. I thought about joining that. My scale said, lady, no, <laughs> no, no. And then there's really a procrastinators club. As a matter of fact, I'm telling you this is truth. Their first meeting was actually postponed, if you can believe it or not. <laughs> really. And their motto is, if procrastination was bad, then they wouldn't have put pro before the procrastination. <laughs> Never got around to joining that, but there are times I know that I could have been a part of that. I always told my husband, sometimes I put the pro in procrastination. <laughs> the point is, though, is when people unite, they're going to accomplish something. When people unite, they can accomplish great things, whether it's for good or whether it's for evil. Except for those procrastinators, they may never get around to accomplishing anything. So when I go to the first text, and we're not going to have it up here, so if you have your Bibles, I'll give you a chance to turn to it. It's right in the beginning in Genesis chapter 11. I'm going to give you a couple of examples that's going to tell you what the results of unity are. And the first is going to be from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. It says, The whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. And they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And then he said, And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore the name of it is called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad the face of the earth. So here we know the story about the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel at the time was the most elaborate and monumental building project known, okay, ever imagined, ever initiated. 
I couldn't imagine the planning or maybe the coordination of you know, the labor and the materials that had to be gathered. It had to be extremely extensive. Their goal was, and what united them is, we are going to build a tower that's going to reach heaven. Okay? Their purpose was motivated by arrogance and by pride and by the self-willed determination that by their own power and by their own accomplishments, they're going to reach God. Okay? So I want to look at their arrogance in verse 3 and 4. It starts with them saying, let us make brick. Okay? And I thought it was interesting that they started with wanting to actually physically build their accomplishment out of something that they made. God makes stones because stones are unique. Stones were created by God. The Bible says in the New Testament they were fitly joined together. He'll do that. But what they did is they took their unity and they made it into uniformity. And instead of it being God-centered unity, they made it into a man-made uniformity. A stone looks really different than a brick. A brick is very uniform. And there's a big difference between unity and uniformity. Every member in here, every member of the church, we're all different. We're not the same shape, but we're all fitly joined together. Okay. So they got this building going. They, they were doing a great job getting this, their accomplishments done because that was their goal. Is, you know, to, it was very self-serving. But it got God's attention. And so God looked and he observed and he, he looked at all that he saw. He looked at all the materials, all the people that were working on this project. And that's not all he saw. He saw their prideful ambition. And when God saw that resolve, and when God saw that progress and that unity, he said in verse 6, nothing that they ever propose or that they can ever imagine will ever be withheld. He's not going to restrain them from it. In other words, the Tower of Babel made nothing impossible for humanity because God understands the power of unity. When God's people, when, when any people, when any people get together, nothing's going to stop them. And you hear of heroic stories where you've got somebody trapped in a vehicle and four men will go over there and together they'll lift the car up. Okay? And God knew that started back in the Tower of Babel and God said that nothing's going to ever restrain them. When people come together, something's going to be accomplished. God understands the power of unity. But because their unity was built upon their own egos and on their own pursuits, God put an end to their project. He confused their language, and suddenly they couldn't speak to one another. Suddenly they couldn't communicate their plans. They couldn't give directions. And that language barrier that was created, it stopped the flow of work. They couldn't work anymore. You can't work when you can't communicate, right? And so it resulted in a division that stopped the building project. And then verse 8 says, so the Lord scattered them abroad. And that's kind of what I want to tell you is the result of unity for bad purposes, is that there's going to be a scattering. Whenever we think or we focus or we work towards something that's self-promoting, and it can even be in ministry, if all we want to do is self-promote, God's going to scatter it. Okay, he's going to scatter it. We can't promote ourselves or elevate anything above where God's supposed to be. Okay, because the result will be that it'll be scattered. We can't pray thy kingdom come until we pray that our kingdom goes. Okay, so we can be united for the wrong cause, but it will never result in the right outcome. 
and being united for the wrong cause will result in our efforts just being scattered. So the Tower of Babel made nothing impossible to humanity. And you think about that, and then I thought, how much more is that true when God's people unite for his purpose? So you take that evil purpose, and we know what the result is, and you take that God gave us some kind of power to unite. And if we were to use that power to unite for his purpose, how much greater could the, could the results be? And I'm going to give you an example. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So when God's people gather for a holy cause, the result is the blessings of the Lord. And I want to take a note here that unity precedes the blessing. On the day of Pentecost, they were united, and then they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost doesn't come to make us united. The Holy Ghost comes because we're united. Okay? After the day of Pentecost, there were over 3,000 people that were filled with the, with the Spirit, and there were thousands more that continued to be added to the body. And the gospel was just spreading like wildfire. And one of the neat things is that it expanded from a group of just a Jewish community, 120 people that were praying in unity, Jewish people, that it went beyond those walls, that there were no more barriers, okay? It went from Peter, all the, Peter started preaching that the promise is unto you. If you're not Jewish, it's unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Okay, Paul's ministry was specifically set out to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. It wasn't just for the Jews anymore. God didn't just sit there and say, okay, let's just have this just for this select people. And then that's where we are today. Thank the Lord. Now their unity, like sometimes ours, isn't without challenges. The early church faced pressure from the Pharisees and from others who believed that certain aspects of the law of Moses should be followed. And that could have divided them. That could have just destroyed the unity of the early church. But they used it as an opportunity to come together to give reports of conversions and of miracles and healings. And they came to understand that the value of unity and that they started sharing everything that they possessed. In Acts 4.32 it said, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. It didn't matter whether they were Gentile or they were Jew or whether they were male or they were female. The Lord unified their effort because it served his holy purpose. And it said they had all things common. So the unity of the early church and the embracing of ethnic diversity, not uniformity, like they had at the Tower of Babel. They had uniformity. The early church had diversity. And it enabled them to expand more rapidly. It it helped them be more effective throughout the whole world. It's the exact opposite of what happened at the Tower of Babel. When they were united on evil and they built on uniformity, God scattered them. But when the early church united for that holy purpose, God gathered them. Okay, and he increased them. So greater unity in the church will result. Here's the result. Increased effectiveness in evangelism, both locally and throughout the world. 
And that's what we see when we, when we have efforts that are for home missions and we see efforts that are for global missions. It is to reach the whole world with the gospel. It serves a holy purpose. It's there to unify us, to, to put forth God's kingdom, not our own. The power of unity is one of the most powerful forces on earth, whether it's for good or for evil. And the result is that it will either scatter or it will gather. And I'm sorry to tell you that I'm going to close. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I have a problem with elaboration. I can just take, just give you the point, and I don't have too much to say after that. Um, but I do want to close with something that really hit me this this um, this past week when I was studying. Is that the church's greatest power lies in unity. And a lot of times we attribute stuff to prayer, and I agree, prayer is very, very powerful. But you know what's more important than prayer alone? is a unified prayer. Worship, we know how powerful worship can be. But you know what unified worship does? It's that much more powerful. So the, the church's greatest power is in unity. And I want to leave you with this. John 17 records Jesus' last prayer before he's arrested. And I'm going to tell you, it's really humbling to read what he prayed. You know, he could be praying. You know, we know that let this cup pass for me and, and all that. And we know that he, ultimately he, he went and he died on the cross for us. But to read John 17 and to read what his prayer was, it was never self-motivated. His prayer was really for us. For all his disciples. And I thought, you know, even his bickering disciples were there. The ones that were going to be trammers sitting there. How could they have not been humbled by his words? But John 17 records this last prayer, and, and this is what he prays. He prays that we might be filled with joy, that we would have joy fulfilled in us. He prays that we would be kept from evil. He prays that we would be sanctified through truth. Isn't that great? Aren't you thankful? But the last one got me. His last request is what got me. His last request said that they, or that we, may be one. How significant is it that Jesus' last prayer request is the only prayer that the church can answer? It's the only prayer that we can answer. That's how powerful unity is. And I hope that today we can honor God and honor that request and just be united in the rest of the service and let's see what those blessings are and let's see that God can increase everything that he does for his holy purpose. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.